0: Welcome to The Soft Life with Sadie Baddies. Sadie Baddies is the antidote to mental health stigma, and this podcast is hosted by yours truly, Priscilla O. Adjman. We are a virtual sanctuary centering Black and multiracial people, and we prioritize the mental and emotional nourishment that is the foundation of collective healing in our communities. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the Sadie Baddies podcast. Welcome to our very first episode. I'm your host, Priscilla Adjiman, and I am the founder of Sadie Baddies, which is a community, a virtual community, and a virtual san- uh, sanctuary that is designed for people of color to remove the stigma surrounding mental health and initiate collective healing. So today's episode is all about the origin story of Sadie Baddies. You also learn a little bit about me and my upbringing and the reason why I started this space, which is such a huge part of my purpose in life and. I'm really grateful to be sitting down here with you today. I hope that you have your cup of tea, your matcha, your coffee. I hope that you're relaxing and let's get into it. So how does Sadie Baddy start? That is one of my most frequently asked questions. And Sadie Baddies started because I needed Sadie Baddies. Um, I started Sadie Baddies three years ago at a time in my life where... I was working a dead end a dead end job and it was really getting to me and if you know what it feels like to work a dead end job you know how much it affects and impacts your mental health but backtracking a little bit i'll explain why this even came about and how i found myself stuck in this scenario and it really starts with my personality and i have said this time and time again I am a recovering people pleaser and I'm a re- recovering perfectionist. So, with that being said, just keep in mind that I am someone that is still working quite hard to, you know, not be so hard on myself. And being a recovering people pleaser and being a recovering perfectionist impacted my mental health more than I even knew. And I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey. In the 90s i'm first generation american my parents are from ghana so my upbringing living in the suburbs was a little bit different than my peers because even though i was american i still felt very much other um, my culture is very rich and, and very vibrant and it's beautiful however i didn't have friends that had the same cultural identity as i did so I did feel very strange growing up and having these rich stories about my heritage and my culture as a, as a Ghanaian, um, however, feeling like I had to fit in and be this American girl um, and essentially went through like a whitewashing phase. And um, I think in retrospect, that contributed to a lot of my perfectionism because when you're forcing yourself to fit into spaces that you naturally don't belong in, it is very frustrating. And now as an adult, I can look back and see that at that time, that's the only way I knew how to deal with not feeling accepted and not feeling like I fit in. However, it's okay. It's okay to be different. It's okay to not have the same last name as anyone in your class. That was definitely the case for me. And, you know, I think one of my strengths was my academic performance, you know, and I learned that if I could do well in school, I could be a high achieving student. And that's really what drove me to be even more of a perfectionist when I was younger. I strive to do exceptionally well in school and I did do really well in school. So academics were a huge part of my identity. And when you are only one of like three black kids in your class and you have a class of 25 students, you are going to feel like you have to perform at this exponential level. And I was so hard on myself to maintain that type of performance even throughout college. And so fast forward to college, I went to college in New York. And so I moved from my hometown of, uh, of New Jersey and I moved to New York City and it was life changing. New York changes you and anyone who lives in New York and has lived here for as long as I have, um, which is just over a decade. You know how much New York forces you to strip down these identities and truly find yourself. And that's exactly what happened to me when I moved to New York at the age of 18. So I moved to New York. I, you know, had my group of friends in college. You know, I did the whole college thing, all of that. But again, I still felt very much other. I didn't really know who I was. I didn't feel like I was being true to myself. And I didn't even know what my own hobbies were. I didn't know what I like to do outside of just studying and trying to succeed essentially. Obviously I had some interests um, but I didn't really hone in on any of those interests because I was so hyper focused on just doing well in school. So throughout college I realized that I was dealing with pretty severe anxiety. At the time I didn't even have the language to describe or explain what I was actually going through but I just felt this enormous amount of pressure and stress, especially when it was related to my academics. So if I had a big test coming up, I would freak out. I would panic. I wouldn't sleep. I was having digestional issues. So these are all like telltale tell signs of anxiety. Um, and I actually had my first panic attack in college, my my sophomore year of college, and um, watching my body go through that panic attack and the way that. I was so exhausted afterwards was just a sign that I didn't even know how to cope with that type of nervous system, like response. My nervous system was on a thousand because I didn't even have, I didn't know what self-care was. There was not a self-care plan for me in place. And I think it's sad that so many college students, um, like myself at the time were suffering from anxiety and and bouts of depression as well. And we didn't even know what to call it. We're just like, well, this is college. It's supposed to be hard. Right. So it wasn't until I started experiencing panic attacks, like more frequently that I realized that I might have an issue with, with anxiety. And, um, I, went to grad school, I, I started graduate school and I wanted to pursue my master's in public health. So this was my intro into going to therapy for the very first time. Um, so starting grad school, I went through a lot of different changes at the same time. Um, I was like, okay, I'm in this program. I'm going to a really good grad school program. I went to, um, a really competitive grad school. And however, I still felt like I wasn't enough because I kept connecting my identity with my academic career, my academic performance. And for a black woman to be in these spaces again and not seeing a lot of people that look like you, not having any professors that look like you, it just started to get to me. And not only that, I had moved back from New Jersey to New York again, so I was living in New York City again, but this time as an adult, this time not as a college student with a meal plan and like a lanyard around my neck and everything taken care of. This time I was in New York as a 22 year old adult with no job and just straight up student loans, Um, which is another reason I was getting stressed out because financially I was not at a place to really fully support myself in the way that I needed to. So that added an additional level of stress. And then to top it all off, I was also in a place in my life where I was trying to figure out like, who am I? Who am I really? What what do I like to do? Who are the people that I want to surround myself with? You know, and I just kept falling short with those answers, and um, I was also dating at the time and being feeling very disappointed by my dating life. Um, it just was underwhelming to me and disappointing is the best way I can explain it. I hit a very low point and that is when I experienced my first depressive episode in grad school. So what I now know is a depressive episode. At the time, I just thought I was really, really sad and losing my mind, but truly, but looking back, I can now recognize that I was showing signs of depression. And I know that because I was not eating um, full meals at all. I was in my bed the whole day. I was crying a lot. I was feeling hopeless. I wasn't responding to any phone calls or texts from my friends, which is also very unusual for me. So, you know, looking back, I wish I'd been able to give myself a little bit more grace because I didn't even know what I was going through at the time. However one thing I am grateful for is that my graduate school program um, did offer mental health services to all students. So even though I was super embarrassed about going and putting my name down on the list and emailing the, the therapist to make an appointment, I'm really grateful that I did because I wouldn't be sitting here today if I, if I never took that step. So I, I, Went to see my therapist for the very first time, and my first session was super, super awkward because I didn't know what to talk about, and I was gaslighting myself out of even going. I was like, Well, it can't be that bad because I'm not. Suicidal. So you know, I feel like I'm taking up someone else's appointment, and I I don't really need to be here. I don't deserve to be here. And that type of self-sacrificing behavior is so detrimental because what you end up doing is suffering regardless. So whether you're suffering more or less than you think you should, the fact that I didn't even see myself as worthy of help really showed how much work I actually needed uh, to do um, inside. And I'm really glad that I took on that first session, even though it was very uncomfortable. And the therapist was just very quiet and just listening to me. And I wasn't used to people just listening to me without me having to be the one to offer advice. Because in my group of friends at that time, I was the strong friend. I was the friend that other people were coming to for advice. And so for me to be, you know, in the reverse, um, was just very it was uncomfortable so I didn't really know how to hold space for myself I didn't know how to allow other people to hold space for me so fast forward I you know did graduate I was in therapy the entire time that I was in graduate school um and beyond that so I you know I started my my first job and this was right around the time that I graduated I ended up with a dead end job. (laughs) I ended up with a job that I hated, honestly. And even though it was a starting point for me, it was such an environment that was debilitating to my growth. It was debilitating to my confidences as a professional. And it really challenged me in ways that became unhealthy. And it didn't pay well, like at all. So that was just the cherry on top. I was like, I have this stressful ass job and I'm not even getting paid shit for it essentially. So that, that, that point, that was my, my next low point of having this master's degree, also having a lot of you know, accomplishments in my academic career in graduate school and and finishing school. So because school was my identity for these, for these formative years of my 20s and now I was finally done with school, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was supposed to be. So that's why this turning point of starting a job and just being a, a person with a job and not being this great student affected me so much. So when I was at this job and I realized how, Detached I was from my identity and who and my purpose in life, I had this calling. And and that's the only way I can describe it. Saddie Baddies was a calling. It felt like an urgency that was in my spirit. And I really believe that, you know, that was God's way of telling me this is what you are meant to do. You are not just somebody that is going to be so attached to your identity of, of your, of your academic career, you're going to talk about your highs and your lows, and this is how you're going to do it. And I had a calling to start Saddy Baddies because I knew I was not the only person that was struggling with my mental health. I was embarrassed to talk about therapy, to my friends and my family. But later on, when I started opening up, other people were interested in, oh, how was your first therapy session? What do do you talk about there? How do you find a therapist? And I was like, you know what, if I'm over here, I'm over here struggling and I'm over here, uh, not struggling, but I'm over here trying to unpack and, and trying to heal from these issues that I've been carrying and this trauma that I've been carrying my whole life, I'm sure that there's other people that need that space too. And even if it's virtual, it's still a space. So in January, um, 2019, I finally graduated, um, with my master's degree. And then in March, 2019 is when I started Sadie Baddies and I did not have a business plan. I did not have, any type of concept of social media management or social media strategy. I was literally at my desk at this dead end job and I just started the page. I just literally created a handle and I was like, this is going to be something one day. I don't know what it is, but that's what it's going to be. And that all stemmed from me taking a risk. And I was someone who didn't really like to take risks because I struggled with control, you know, and I I didn't like to do things outside of my comfort zone because if I fail, that failure equals being a bad person, you know? So I pushed myself to take this risk without having any prior knowledge of what I was actually gonna be. And, what I was actually going to do. And I am so grateful that I listened to that voice. So what is the purpose of Sadie Baddies? The whole purpose of Sadie Baddies is to remind people that they are not alone, that healing is tangible and life does get better over time. And in order to truly have collective healing for black people and, and people of color, we have to be comfortable talking about issues and and topics that are uncomfortable for us. And mental health is so stigmatized. When I started Sadie Baddies, there was not a lot of spaces um, in real life or in person that really embrace the whole spectrum of mental health. A lot of it was a focus on toxic positivity and, you know, write down your affirmations every single day, even if you feel like shit. Or, Uh, drink this celery juice and you'll feel great. And, you know, I didn't really see any spaces that were really trying to unpack the layers of mental health. And nobody was talking about depression. Nobody was talking about bipolar disorder. People weren't talking about um, sexual trauma. People weren't talking about, um, you know, things that are Are really heavy and I think it's because these conversations and these these topics are uncomfortable so people don't want to talk about things that are uncomfortable however if you can't even speak about it how can you heal from it so removing the stigma around mental health is my calling and that is the whole point of Saudi baddies because in community and in as a collective when we can hold space for each other, and we can talk about things that are are uncomfortable, we are inherently, that is generational healing. And if generational trauma can be passed down, so can generational healing. And by talking about these topics and offering resources, which we do on Sidi Baddies, this is one way, this is just one of many ways that we can, as a collective, move towards collective healing. And now I see so many other you know spaces and pages that are openly talking about mental health, which is great. At the time when I started Sadie Baddies, I didn't see a lot of those spaces at all. But I think people are definitely more open to talking about mental health, especially with the weight of the pandemic um, still weighing on us. So. One thing I want to talk about is the ugly side of mental health. And this also ties into the reason why I started Sadie Buddies because, as I mentioned, I was seeing a lot of toxic positivity on social media. And, you know, if somebody is dealing with, you know, something like depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder or other other mental health issues that need to be treated or can be treated um, with the help of therapy, medication, counseling, and also somatic healing um, as well. There was very little room to talk about the ugly side of mental health. You know, the, the side of mental health where you don't, you cannot get out of bed and you haven't showered in days, you know, and losing family and friends to mental health within the last two years. So many of us have lost people that we love we have lost our sense of security we have lost our sense of safety myself included In having to grieve the two years that we could have had but didn't have because of this pandemic and having space for that is so important because what happens is People just move on or pretend like nothing's wrong. And then you start to feel crazy for for feeling heavy or feeling sad or feeling unmotivated. If you don't feel motivated and you haven't felt motivated for the last two years, you are not alone and there's nothing wrong with you. That just means that this pandemic has caused so much overwhelm and, and stress and sadness that you're, you've are you lost touch with who you are and so many of us have felt like that. So I am proud that Saddy Baddies is a space where people truly can be themselves and you don't have to be that perfect, that picture perfect person On Instagram, so many people on Sadie Baddies have shared things that they haven't shared on their personal Instagram because they know it's a non-judgmental space and they know it's a safe space. And um, same thing with our healing circles and events that we've had. People have been vulnerable and honest, and they've made connections. They've made friends. They've started therapy. So I am so proud of the vibrant and beautiful community that is Sadie Baddies. And I'm just really grateful to be to be doing this work. I think it's it's it is my life's work and I feel most I feel most at ease when I when I am working for Saddy Baddies and when I'm doing this work. So what can we do, you know, moving forward? What what is it that we can do as a collective, as individuals, as a community, and in order to you know, continue healing and continue having conversations about mental health. So the first thing you can do is to be honest with yourself and with others about where you are mentally and emotionally. If you pretend like everything is okay, people will assume that everything is okay. So when you are honest about how you're feeling and how the people around you are feeling, you can not only be there for each other, it removes this pressure to be perfect. So removing that pressure from ourselves can really open up the door so that we can access the healing that we need. And another important aspect of of being honest is also to not judge yourself and removing that judgment that often prevents us from seeking help. And help can look different for for each person. You know, maybe help for you is taking a walk and going outside every single day and walking your dog. And maybe that is like, you know, a therapeutic experience for you. For some people, it's therapy. And, and seeing their therapist every week or every other week or whatever the cadence is, for some people, healing is therapy and medication. For some people, it's having a, a leave of absence from their job or from school so that they can actually get the help and support that they need medically. And whatever those tools look like for you, utilizing these tools is is essential in our healing process. And on the Sadie Baddies website, which is um, www.sadibaddies.com, We have a laundry list of resources and therapy directories and guides and a a depression guide as well. And in our newsletter, our monthly newsletter, we do share a self-care guide. So be on the lookout for that if you're interested in in more tools. And again, joining communities like this one that are designed to support and encourage healing for Black and multiracial people, um, that is one way that you can continue doing this work and continue supporting people that are doing this work and so all things mental and emotional health and lived experiences as people of color and we're going to be talking about relationships we're going to be talking about work-life balance pursuing your passion dealing with imposter syndrome all the things so please stay tuned for that and thank you for listening and thank you for being here To stay connected, join Sadie Baddies on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and more, and sign up for our monthly newsletter on sadiebaddies.com to stay in the loop. Sending you hella love and stay soft, baddie.